to episode two of season two of the Chronic Sisters podcast, and you are joined by your host, Jess. And Sean. Woo! Welcome back. We hope you enjoyed the fun fact follow-up episode. We're back, we're ready, and we're funner than ever. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Just a couple of fun gals talking about some fun things. We're glad to be back, though. We are. We are We've missed you glad. all. How was your week, Sean? Tell us about your week. Oh, my week was great. Did I finally got cleared to drive? Well, that's exciting. That is very exciting. I'm no longer a prisoner in my own house. Um, <laughs> but you gals just, you know, doing the daily physio, trying to get back to walking without crutches. Um, and yeah, taking each day as it comes, really. And can I just say, she is mobilizing significantly better, guys. Oh, thank you. Stop walking it. Walking like a dream. Stop it. So you'll all be very happy to know that she is. Finally, we're looking at that light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, we we're are nearly coming there. on out. So we're that's very we're exciting. We're very, very, very close. Very close, very close. Anything else? How was, did you do anything else fun this week? Yeah, so I went to a wedding this week and I got my COVID boost jab. So I am triple threat, visored up, ready to go, take on the world. I was okay. I was just a bit achy, um, but I think you <laughs> suffered a bit harder than me, didn't you? Okay. So to anyone who has had a terrible reaction from the jabs, I am so sorry and my heart goes out to you all because for jab one and jab two, I I had nothing. I mean, I had a sore arm, some swollen underpit, which I've... Underpit? Yeah, okay. Zach thinks it's funny too. Do you Underarm, mean armpit? armpit underpit, okay? <laughs> I had a swollen underpit for the first two, maybe a little bit tired, maybe a bit of a headache, but it didn't stop me from doing life. Mm-hmm. This booster yeah. fucked me up. <laughs> like if that was a taste of COVID, I'd be dead. Yeah. A 1,020%. So I got the jab. I got it on Friday because I was trying to wait for when I didn't have work the next day, just in case I wasn't feeling my best self, mm. which I never really am anyway. Mm. And so I got it done on Friday, nine o'clock in the morning. First thing, no line, just did it at work. Great. Got on with my day. At two o'clock, the heavy arm hit while I was on my ward round. Didn't stop you, gal. I was like, that's fine. Whatever. I got home and by nine o'clock that night, I was a different person. Mm. I didn't even know who I was. I had a temperature. I had rigors. I was going hot, cold, sweating, goosebumps. Had to change my clothes three times, change my sheets. And then I was nauseous with my head wrapped around the toilet bowl. But the worst part all of all, I had full-blown hallucinations. <laughs> like... So my friend, my friend Poppy said that she had this and that she was really sick and really scared. And I was like, mm, drama queen. No, I was convinced that I was at my mum and dad's house. I woke up yelling out for my mum because I felt so sick. And with my head wrapped around the toilet bowl, I was convinced my mum was standing above me <coughs> oh looking after goodness. me. She was not. It was me alone. And I thought I nearly died. Anyway, the whole next day I felt like crap. I didn't do anything. Slept a lot. Very nauseous. But I'm back. You're back at I'm it. I'm back today, but holy crap, it was a wild ride. <laughs> and at least I've got all these antibodies for when this border opens in a couple yeah. of weeks' time. So You'll be fighting left, right and centre, ready to go. Yeah, and a part of me wonders my booster was overdue. So I think maybe I just I just let myself go a little bit and then it was like, ha I'm going to fuck you up. Anyway. Um, but you're ready to go now. I'm ready. I'm you're ready. triple I'm threaded. Ready. Yeah. So yeah, that's my, my update there on the jab. Well, also, you all saw our new artwork for the episode. Oh, yes. So From, cute. From um, Tiggy, 
Tiggy on Instagram. Um, we tagged her. Um, you can see her name in the logo as well. Um, but check out um, her Instagram. Um, and yeah, it's amazing. So cute. Also, oh, should we let's let's hop to the next section because I, I can I can I can give some more. You can give I some can more. Give some more. So you want to go to the next I, section? I'm ready. Yeah. Are you ready? I'm ready. Yeah, yeah. Because the people have voted, and so it's back to doing it live. So um, it's the uh, fun fact follow up. <sighs> wow! Wow! You're welcome. Look, you asked for it. We offered. ASMR. We offered. We offered to not sing it and you chose it. So you have yourselves to blame. You do, you do. <laughs> but I was just thinking, so I do I do have a fun fact follow-up. So my mum actually corrected me. I think I said six weeks of the hardcore steroids. Mum was like, babe, I think it was only four. So sorry, sorry. Uh, I think it was four, not six. No, no I think it was the other way around. No. Your mum said that you were doing it for longer. No, I don't. I think she said shorter. No, I don't. I don't. Anyway. Whatever. It'll it's be another one. No, it, I, no, I'm sure it's four. Anyway, that was one. But you know how the other thing I was going to say, because we're talking about Tiggy and all of that, mm. um, that I continue to st- sell stuff on Marketplace and it continues to be a wild ride with working with the people of Western Australia. Yeah, we love that. Thank but you, Perth. funny story, funny story, funny story, was that I sold my spare bedroom suite that had never been slept on. Mm. And she was so excited because Sham was over and she listens to the podcast and I know she's going to listen to this episode and I've not seen her. So we used to dance together. We probably stopped dancing together when I was maybe like 13, 14. Yeah. So we haven't seen each other for like, you know, 13, 14 Mm. years. Yeah. And anyway, she was walked in. She was like, oh, my God, the Marketplace story. Oh, my God, did Print Lady, is that the prince from Print Lady? And it was just <laughs> hilarious. And she came to get the bed. And it was like exciting. a little a little chronic sisters reunion. It was very lovely. Cute. It was very we love cute. meeting people we in do. real life. We do. Because that because what we were talking about as well was that, obviously, you guys listen to us ramble on every week. And we share, you know, quite personal information with some of our episodes. And we share all this stuff. So you guys know all of this stuff about us. But we don't know the same level of things about you. So it's a very uneven conversation. It's so weird. It's like, I just need like 15 episodes of your life story, please. It's so strange. You get into like lifts with people at work. And they're like, wow. oh, so I saw my therapist this week. I'm like, wow, okay, we're going there. I don't even know you from a bar of soap, but sure. And so people just feel this overwhelming com- connection. And they're so comfortable with us, which I love. But I love it's that. hilarious. It is so funny. And it's then like I you- forget that you know everything about us. <laughs> Like everything. And they're like, how's the new beat shack? I was like, what? what? I, I didn't tell you that. How do you know this? Wild. Oh, yeah, that's right. We tell everyone. Everyone. Every week. Go- globally. It's a, globally. It's a lol. I love it, though. But yeah, so it, it's wonderful. But yeah, we're yet to um, have people come up to us in the street, though. That hasn't happened to me yet. No, I don't think it will for a very long time, sis. I think that'll be like the, the make it moment when someone's like, Sorry, are you trying from Chronic Sisters? I'm like, yes, I bloody well am. Thank you very much. And can I quit my job yet? Oh, That'll no, be we, the moment we, we can quit. No, we can't do that. Damn it. Not yet. Mm. Not yet. A while to go. Absolutely. All right. But, well, this week's topic is basically, um, we touched on it in the first one, what I did at least, in about um, ableism. So what we wanted to do was, because Jess didn't actually know what ableism was when I mentioned it. I thought she made the word up. Uh, yeah. And so... 
this is actually how I found out. It's a bit of an embarrassing story, but we're here for it and I like to share. Um, when Sean was making her one of her stupid TikToks and she was doing her one with the crutch and I was like, I don't get it. I don't get the last bit because she mm. said something about ableism. Yeah. I was like, doll, yep. is that a spelling mistake? Or Anyway, didn't know what it meant. Uh, so... I'm just sometimes for a smart girl, not that smart. Uh, I also learned that this morning when I was selling, getting ready to sell, obviously my my house has sold, but getting ready to move out and mum was trying to clean the cobwebs, Mm. the ones like stuck in the corner of the air convent kind of vibe. Oh, yeah, sure, sure, sure. And she had this little duster thing, which was mine, um, and she's dusty. I was like, oh, where'd you get that? And she's like, it's yours, love. I was like, no, mine doesn't, mine's not that long. And she Stop was like, it. babe, it's an extender. And Stop so it. I have just been having this little little duster oh my in my goodness. hand on a on a stick that's like 10 centimetres long. And you can clearly make it like one and a half metres long. To get long. up to the ceiling. And mum's like just <laughs> all along the ceiling. And I'm like, mum, where's that one from? Whoa. And she was like, I bought this for you. It extends, you idiot. That's so, actually going to be part, that's in the same category as me not knowing that oranges are segmented. Yeah, that's up there, isn't it? Anyway, I can clean my cobwebs, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> and you now know what ableism is. No, yeah, I do. The people don't. You, you know, might need to let the people well, know. Well, yeah, no. So this is what today's episode is going to be about. It's about ableism, how we combat it, how we feel it, how we basically try to move on to a world where there's less isms in general, but ableism being one of them. So I guess like the easiest thing to do is to define it, right? So anyone can Google, which we obviously have done, and I'll probably find the easiest explanation for it is gonna be just a quick sentence, right? All right, hit me. So so what is ableism? I've got this off of a website. Um, it's a blog by accessliving.org. Um, and they go, what is ableism? And their definition is ableism is the discrimination of and social prejudice against people with disabilities based on the belief that typical abilities are superior. At its heart, ableism is rooted in the assumption that disabled people require fixing and def- defines people by their disability. Like racism and sexism, ableism classifies entire groups of people as less than and includes harmful stereotypes, misconceptions and generalizations of people with disabilities. Love that. It's like it it makes sense now, right? Yeah. All I wrote down was the favor of the able slash neurotypical. Yeah. So it's like if you imagine it's the same thing of like the the gender stereotypes the racial stereotypes the abled body stereotypes is that there is this idea of the best person possible and it is stereotypically a middle class cisgendered white heterosexual man yeah. right yeah which is what the what the current st- statistics show as the baseline of like this is what good is in inverted commas yeah and it's what everything is being based off against and that anything that isn't that is less than right correct so what can actually happen is because our society is built with that idea and that ideology of perfection is this one thing and anything else is less than you can actually grow up and not actively be taught it but you actively absorb yes yeah, through those around yeah, you yeah, yeah. that you're actually less than 
So what I mentioned in the TikTok that Jess was talking about and in the episode last week was actually internalized ableism. And what internalized ableism can do is it basically changes how you feel about yourself. And so for me especially, and and this is like self-proclaimed, I do this, I have had internalized ableism for as long as I can remember because of how I feel about myself and how I define my disability or my chronic illness and myself. So one of the um, articles that I will reference in this episode um, talks about signs of internalized ableism, okay? And it's important, I think, when Sean's talking about internalized ableism, it's both the conscious and the subconscious. Absolutely. It's the bit that you don't think about that you've just absorbed, mm. but then the conscious, you actively think about it, but it's the way in which you think about yourself. Yep. So that there's definitely two parts, even though it's all internalized. Yes, absolutely. Um, so one of them is that you think that you're a burden. And I have had this conversation multiple times, both on this podcast and in my personal life with my partner, in that that is my biggest fear, is that I am a burden because of all that I have wrong with me. So you feel guilty and embarrassed and you feel like you take up too much space by just being your authentic self and everything that comes with it because you are comparing yourself to this idealistic norm that doesn't actually exist. So that's the first bit. And then the second one is that, and again, I felt this to my core, is that you think that you're romantically or sexually undesirable. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a big one for me. So, like, exactly. So, like, your internalized ableism is, like, my body the way that it is, which is how you are and how you are supposed to be. And how you cannot change. No, we can't. Well, you can change certain bits, but the core of it is not going to change. But you are attractive. But your internalized ableism is that because you are not the photogenic norm, that therefore you're not sexually attractive. And actually, there's one of these um, Instagram influencers, I don't like that word, but she's an advocate for disabled rights, right? And her name is Wheelchair Rapunzel. And a lot oh, of her yeah, accounts, yeah. Um, so like she has a TikTok, she has an Instagram, I'll tag her in this episode so you can go check her out, is about normalizing the fact that people with very obvious disabilities can be sexy and have a sex life and wear lingerie and go out clubbing like just because you have a condition or a chronic illness does not mean that you can't be attractive and sexually active even because when people think about people with exceptional chronic illnesses or disabilities the thought is is that oh they're so cute and like you got to look after them and you can't be a sexually active adult But you can, but that's the idea of like, you have this internalized voice coming into you saying that you aren't the norm, therefore you can't be, which is really hard to battle. Constantly. Constantly. And then it's also fed back to you by the environment in which you're in. Yeah. So not only are you having this negative thought, but the actual, the environment around you and the society, the societal norms around you are also reconfirming it as well. Yeah. So it's super hard to actually go against that grain to actually go, no, I, I'm, I am who I am and therefore I can be who I am, you know? It's really hard and it, it, 
you know, it's another thing to add to the list that you've got to fight against. It is, it is. And I think like Shan just spoke about then, the internal ableism, but there's other levels of ableism as well. So when we think about it, there's obviously the internal and that's our conscious and subconscious, which we've spoken about, but then there's an interpersonal level of ableism. So that that's kind of through social interactions. So um, an example of that could be, say you're a parent of a significantly disabled child or a child with a lot of chronic illnesses. For a lot of parents during that grief stage and, and a lot of raising that child, sometimes the focus is on fixing and mm. fixing the disability and yep. f- correcting and fixing because it's not the the neurotypical or it is not the, in quotations, the norm. Mm. So people want to fix you. Mm. And if it's not coming, that's where the self-conscious and subconscious stuff comes as you grow older because for your whole life people have been trying to fix you, thinking yep. that was the right thing to do. So that's more of an in- interpersonal level. Yep. And then there's an institutional level. So that's more of the medical level in looking at anybody with a disability they need to be fixed. Yep. So that that's what we all hear. That's what gets fed through. You, you know, because you have a disability, you're sick. Yeah. We need to fix you. Therefore, yep. you are inferior. So there are a couple of other levels of ableism and ways in which you can kind of look at it. And and the more you talk about it, the more you realize, well, it's, it's kind of everywhere. Yeah. Well, it's like the whole conversation of oh, how are you feeling? Are you any better? Yeah. Why do I have to be better? Why can't I not just exist as I am? Yes, it may be difficult and not the easiest of conveniences for everybody, but I'm not going to get better. And then the same conversation around, it goes round and round again of like, you're inferior, you're not better yet. And you just have this constant negative montage. It's like constant negative feedback all the time. All the time. All the time. time. So I think, I mean, a really good point and Sean talking about that is, you know, just as yourself listening, you might think, oh, you know, I've not had a lot to do with this or it doesn't affect me too much or I don't think I'm involved in this. But these are some examples of ableism in like day-to-day life and how you might have heard it or seen it before or might have even said a few of these things and how it can potentially affect somebody else who is not the able body. So number one, so when you Say you're having a bad flare day. So say I tell family or friends that I'm having a really rough pain day, but their response is, oh, well, you look fine. Mm. Or, or you look good. Mm. So it's, again, dismissing and like, but if you look good, you shouldn't be having this pain. Yeah. So it's, again, it, there's a real disconnect between the two. Another thing is like, you know, you've got friends, we've spoken about, we've done a whole episode on friendships, but friends that cancel because they might have a bad pain day or they might have multiple appointments or they might have something on and you then judge them for cancelling. That Mm. is another complete concept of ableism. It's the same thing. Also, if telling someone, this is a good one, that (laughs) like that their lifestyle is the reason that they are feeling the way oh, that they stop are. It. So, you know, I guess, you know, sometimes I don't help myself. Sometimes it is my lifestyle. So using me is probably not a great example. But, you know, so say if someone, they've had a big weekend, they've had a big party weekend and they're normally someone who's quite unwell and sick and they've had a really good weekend for them and then they're feeling sore and sad and sorry and it's like, well, you need to change your lifestyle. Yeah. This is someone that restricts their lifestyle all the time just yeah. to get by day by day. So it's little things like that. And then... Also, I guess people who have events on and stuff and not needing to make the event accessible for all because it's accessible for most. Yeah. So that's another thing. Or if people saying things to you like, oh, if I were you, 
I wouldn't be able to do it. Oh, yeah. If I were you, I don't think I could live. I don't think I could do it. If I were you, I couldn't. You're an inspiration. You are an inspiration. You are You're amazing. So You're so inspirational. If I, I couldn't do it if I were you. I'd kill myself I'd if kill, I was you. I'd kill myself. It's not a choice, doll. We no. didn't ask for this, but that is another huge form of ableism. That, oh, I couldn't do it. Like, mm, too hard. sucks. It's so hard. And it's just, it's activating that level of shame. It within is, the yeah. person who has a chronic illness or like the disability. there is something wrong with you and I couldn't deal with that. It's too much. And it puts that, that heavy weight. Shame is such a heavy weight to carry for something that you should not be ashamed about. Um, and it can be such a toxic trait of people. Yeah. And it's also, it's like these, we have these microaggressions within our language of this constant of, of like, the inferiority of people with disability. Mm -hmm. So like I'm, again, this is a learning space. We can all learn to be better. And even as someone with a chronic illness who has been sick in inverted commas for her entire life, I also do this. And it's, again, not something that I need to shy away from. I'm owning my space and saying, yes, I mess up in my language choice and um, the context of which I'm speaking. And it's something that I can learn to be better at. And that's what I'm doing. And that's part of being able to break down this stigma around ableism is actually taking a step back, reflecting and being like, yeah, I'm probably not as onto that as I should be. Much like the conversations around um, uh, correct use of pronouns and there's a lot of conversation around language choice, around sexuality and gender. That conversation obviously has been coming for a while. And it's the same sort of thing that this ableism point of view needs to gain traction um, because there are disabled people in the world and there will forever be disabled people in the world. And there's a lot of us too. Yes. We're not, we're really not the minority. When we're you look we're at the it. largest minority yeah. in the world. Yeah like the percentage of people who have a disability or chronic illness, it's the largest minority in the world. So whether you're, you know, it doesn't matter what color you are, what gender you are, what race you are, there are disabled and chronic illness sufferers within that cohort. And so there is power in numbers. And so we actually have footing to make a change. But it's just the small things that you can start within yourself of like, you know, I've, I've, I've used it, but it's like, oh, that's so lame. Yeah. Or, you know, you're so retarded. That's ableism culture yeah. in language yeah. because it's Inbred stating, all of us. it's yeah. stating that that's inferior. Yeah. Right. And, you know, it's using for mental health, for example, it's like, oh my God, are you off your meds? Like, yeah, oh, I'm yeah. so bipolar. Oh man, she's such a psycho. No, that's using ableism language to discriminate yeah. someone. Yeah. And like, again, the whole, oh, I'm so OCD about that. No, you do not have OCD. OCD is obsessive compulsive disorder and it is life changing and debilitating. You just like to be organized yeah. and to be neat. Yeah. And that is fine. You can absolutely be that to an anal level if you like, yeah. but you do not have OCD and because when people use it in that conversational way it also then invalidates someone who actually has it mm -hmm. and makes it a shameful thing to have because it's you being used as a derogatory 
term, term. right? Yeah. So it's just that sort of like little bits that we can change to start the bigger conversations, right? and, And I think like... There, there are definitely times, you know, when when you're really passionate about this and you, you have a, you've had a really rough day or a rough week and you've been constantly advocating and advocating for the inaccessibility of things and advocating for ableism to stop. But it gets, gets to a point where it kind of becomes all-consuming mm. and you just filter through all these overt messages of not belonging and it, you just kind of it's like a big weight on your chest. It's this, it's filtered through everywhere mm. and it gets to a point where you feel exhausted and you can't, it, it, it's so consuming when yep. you think about how inferior we are made to feel. Yeah. Well, because if you're told for the entirety of your life that you're not good enough, that level of trauma that you have subconsciously absorbed over your lifetime, it can lead to you trying to change it, right? And I, for one... I'm guilty of it in that I've been trying my entire life to prove that I can still do things even though I'm unwell or sick to the point that I actually exhaust myself yeah. or and I, overachieve. And ignore, 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 ignore. That's yeah. me all the time. I'm ah, I'll ignore that for a month. I don't, I don't have the, this problem this month. Yes. I do that all the time. I'm like, it's not a problem this month. It's not, it's fine. It's but it's, it's because your worth is attached to how productive you are within this societal norm right and so you push and push and you overexert yourself to fit this ideology of you have to produce something of substance to feel worthy of anything and for those who have disabilities or have chronic illness you almost have to work twice as hard to achieve half of someone who doesn't have anything And so that's a really, you're already setting yourself up to struggle, but you've constantly been absorbing it through your whole life. And it can lead to being a workaholic, a perfectionist to a a debilitating point, right? Yeah. And I think like, I've spoken about it lots on the podcast before, but you know, after 2019 and I had that horrible breakup and all these things happen. I did develop that toxic relationship with myself, which I've said, and that I wanted to be the perfectionist. I needed Mm. to overachieve. I wanted to be everything so that people looked at me and thought, she is so able. Yeah. Look at her. Look at her. Her life's fallen apart, but she is kicking every single goal and look how able and competent and confident she is. And that was, it became debilitating for me. I was completely run down, fatigued, burnt out, Mm. but I didn't stop because that's, for some stupid reason, what I thought I needed to do to heal mm. because that is that is what we are pretty much told to do. And, I mean, I know we've spoken about a few of these forms of ableism, like the subtle forms and the phrases and wording that people use in conversation, but there's other types. Like there's, there's a real hostile form of ableism and so that's more like aggressive behaviours where there's bullying and abuse and violence mm. and mm-hmm. it's just outwardly nasty. And then there's things like benevolent, like views of people where disability is seen as they're vulnerable, they need fixing, they're weak, they need help. Mm. And then there's the ambivalent, which is more like it's a combo of the two. So a conversational interaction with someone can start quite patronising in that they're weak, they're inferior, but then it can suddenly turn quite hostile Mm. and then they become quite aggressive and and it's almost made to feel like it's their fault, Mm. their fault for not being able-bodied, their so fault for having you. Are, you're an inconvenience. You are a burden. Yeah, and then 
living with that and leaving an interaction after experiencing something like that, of course it's going to affect the person who's just been uh, whitewashed, literally thrown under a bus Mm. for nothing that is in their control. For just plainly existing. Yeah. Well, a lot of the um, the conversations in the media at the moment have um, sparked a conversation around ableism, um, around the conversation around COVID. And unfortunately, the CDC chief um, was quoted in an interview um, that was quite derogatory to those with comorbidities and um, disabilities. Um, and what basically happened, if those of you who, who don't know and who aren't aware of what I'm talking about... Um, Last week, um, the CDC uh, chief was quoted in an interview talking about the death rate for the Omicron variant of COVID. And the quote that had been used was, the overwhelming numbers of death over 75% occurred in people who had at least four comorbidities. And so that is quite a, a large percentage of the community with chronic illnesses and disabilities and then she goes on to saying so these are really people who were unwell to begin with and yes really encouraging news in the contents of Omicron which was not received exceptionally well quite rightly by a lot of the disability and the chronic illness community because what that was contextually saying was that those that have already got a condition are okay to die is basically how that was received by the masses and the CDC chief um, had later retweeted um, a somewhat of an apology after the interview was receiving excessive backlash quite rightly Um, and it wasn't received well because it basically was basically saying that someone with a disability or chronic illness um, was an invalid death and it didn't really matter was the um context that people were taking it in and she did later tweet out um we must protect people with comorbidities from severe covid19 i went into medicine hiv specifically and public health to protect our at most our most at risk cdc is taking steps to protect those at highest risk including those with chronic health conditions disabilities and older adults and it was a little bit late <laughs> She is backpedaling hard. Too little, too late, I think. Because it was basically basically promoting that idea of ableism, right? Absolutely. That we, those of of us who have comorbidities, it's okay if we're the ones that die because eh, they were ill anyway. They got shit going on anyway. And I think that's the thing, right? So if we look at ableism, how does it damage society? Well, number one, it fuels bullying and violence. Like you see that. You see the bullying there. You are the inferior. Therefore, what well, does it matter if you're wiped? That's fine. Mm. So there's bullying. Then there becomes unnecessary institutionalization of things. There's an increase in poverty. There's an increase in unemployment rates Mm -hmm. because things aren't as accessible to those who are disabled or unwell. There's a a decrease um, access to education, to things like transport. You know, on a societal level, every part of life can be affected by ableism. Yeah. Which is ridiculous and huge and if anything COVID has highlighted all of those things even more so yeah and you know what's crazy right is that obviously we work in um pediatrics and a lot of our children who have um lots of comorbidities and um, disabilities uh, need access to medical equipment at home and certain in 
invasive disabilities don't actually class as disabilities and therefore they can't get the funding. And there's so much underlying issues around ability to access healthcare that, you know, is too big to even get into. But some of the crazy facts that I've found during this research was that some disabled people don't actually have marriage equality because it's often if they get married, they are at a major decrease of benefit for them because they're married to someone. And that So is, that person automatically has to become their carer. Yeah, because they're no longer independent as a disabled person, that they're attached to someone else. So they lose out on their allowances and disabled people are legally, this was in the US, disabled people are legally allowed to be paid less than the minimum wage if they can't perform a job as well as an able-bodied person. What, in terms of like time efficiency or things like that? Yeah, which is madness. It's disgusting. It is mad. Um, Disabled people must regularly navigate a world that wasn't built for us. Only buildings built after 1990 or with renovations that exceeded 20% of a building's value must comply with ADA. All other buildings are grandfathered in. How crazy is that? Well, speaking of which, when we went shopping in a wheelchair, for me, because I couldn't walk around... Couldn't get into half of the bloody say, half shops. Half the shops we couldn't get through because it was just all racks, 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 and you, a single person struggled to walk through. Someone was walking in the opposite direction with a trolley, and yeah, and I had to be like, "Okay, Sean, I'm just going to leave you at the front of the shop here. You just tell me what you want, and I'll just race in, pick it up, bring it forward, show you at the at the entrance of the shop, run mm. back, put it back." That one lady was like, she couldn't believe what we were doing yeah. when we went to typo, and that yeah. lady in the and was like, "Are you are you okay? Like, is someone with you? Like, and you're like, "Yeah, I just can't get into the shop. Yeah, uh, your front stuck. door is barricaded yeah. in with." St- Dock, so, so I can't say. I can't. But like, yeah, that's a perfect example of it, isn't and it? And that's a standard wheelchair. Like, yeah. you know, if someone had an electronic wheelchair, or, or a, even like airway or a equipment, person's wheelchair. My goodness, mm. the amount of stores that I literally just had to sit out the front like I was being in detention <laughs> was like I was like the naughty kid sat outside the principal's so office bad. waiting for you to get my shopping for me. <laughs> I was like, well. This is awkward, isn't it? I know. And then like, so some, like, oh, I know. And then you're like, what if you didn't trust the person you're with? Or they were just a, a casual carer that you don't know. Like, it's fine. It's Sean and I. I'll just grab a card and pay for stuff. Yeah. But you know, what if you as the person in the wheelchair wanted the independence of being able to buy your own shopping? You should be able to do and that. And you can't even do that because yeah. no one's made their shop accessible for yeah. you. Mad. And that's the thing as well, is that you can have privilege within a discriminated um, cohort, right? Yeah. So we as white women who have chronic illness, we have privilege privilege over other people. Yeah, yeah. And that's also something to recognise is that even though we do have discrimination against us sometimes, we also have privilege within it. Yeah, definitely. But it's not a competition either. That's something else that is not comparative. No one, it's not a competition between who has it worse and who has it better. It's just recognizing that we all are in a fight together. Mm. And that's what it's about. And the way to break down this ableism culture is just to start having the conversation and be open and honest about it. And really look into yourself and how you think and feel when you think of someone with a chronic illness or a disability, how it how it reacts within you 
start within you and then work out. I think that's, yeah, a really good segue into talking about what what can you do? What can you do about this? And what can you do about ableism? And so number one is don't remain silent. If you hear something that you don't like or you don't think is correct, pull someone up on it. Absolutely. Correct them. So that's that's not, I wouldn't use that word or... You know, if you see someone struggling at a shop, offer to help. Mm. It's just just little things like that, but they make such a big difference in terms of spreading the word. And th- there's just other things like listen, actively listen, mm. educate yourself, take mm-hmm. t- the time to learn, yep. reflect, reflect on things that you say. And could I have said that better? Should I have said that better? Was there something I should have done differently in it, that situation? And, and it's all about just advocating what you know is right but that's why we do this podcast it's all learning mm. so some of you listening might have never even thought twice about it and to be honest like I said before this episode I didn't even know the definition of the word yeah and so I've done a lot of learning this week and now there's things that I'm going to change in terms of the way I speak and things that I do and you know I, I can definitely be more cautious about just just words that come out of my mouth mm. at, at work with patience all of that Mm. and it's just about taking the time to stop reflect and think about your day-to-day interactions with people Mm. your day-to-day environment that you work in is my environment safe is my environment safe for everybody Mm -hmm. it's just yeah it's just about changing your mind frame and those of you that have friends who need extra help and aids around um, their ability to access places it's about thinking about that when you're you're going to lunch or you're going out for dinner, whether or not they can get there safely or get into the building safely or whether there's toilets available. And that's like, you know, it's things like which Shan and I spoke about in the friendship episode. Shan's got friends that when she goes, they'll always make sure there's a non-alcoholic option. Or mm. for me, they'll pick a restaurant where they know there's gluten-free food so I don't feel left out. I don't have to feel different mm. all the time. Absolutely, It's little things like that. That means so much to that person. Yeah. And also as well, for those of you that own businesses or thinking about starting businesses, hire people with disabilities because they're as good as workers. Their disability shouldn't negate them accessing work and finances because that person can still do the job. And that person's finances are probably significantly more. Their oh, lifestyle yeah. costs are significantly more than yours. I can yep. bet you a million bucks <laughs> if I had it that their lifestyle costs more. Exactly. I don't even want to know how much money I spent. How on last week I think I told you guys I I'd seen Sean. Oh no, we didn't record. That's so Sean and I mm. we're recording this to you hot before it comes live, but we were meant to record on Friday, Saturday, Friday, Saturday, I don't, Saturday maybe. Mm. But then I obviously got sick post the jab. But I was also like, I've got seven errands to run today. Mm. I've got seven things on. and That was half, on, Wednesday. on Wednesday. And half of them are medical things. Mm-hmm. They're appointments. They're... Their doctor's consults, which cost money. They're picking up scripts, which which cost money. It's a chiropractor. It's a physio. It's all of these things. Their lifestyles cost so much. And Mm -hmm. you know what? I can tell you, I wish I could not spend a cent on all of those things and I could throw it all into my new kitchen. But hey... (laughs) I live with a lot of chronic illnesses. What mm. am I doing next week? I'm going back to the rheumatologist. How much will that cost me? A couple of hundred bucks. Yep. Like that's my life. Just for existing. That That's every day and that stuff people don't see. That's what I'm expected to do in my own time whilst also working full time to be able to fund that and also have a life. And yep. then factor in 
I don't even know. It, it would be a huge percentage of my time that mm. would go into my health. And Oh, I yeah, so much. So much. So much. But I think also what we can all do is just, like we've been saying, is just to learn. So follow disability advocates on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, whichever platform you prefer. Um, there are many, many disabled creators and disabled advocates. And what better way to learn than straight from the person that's living it? And advocate and believe a person's story. Absolutely. And like, I should have probably saved this for my quote, but too bad because it fits so well with what you're saying. Mm. But at the end of the day, there is nothing more debilitating about a disability than having people treat you that way over yes. it. Like that's the most debilitating part. Mm-hmm. If everyone just accepted you as you were and tried to help you all the time, mm. it wouldn't be anywhere near as debilitating. Mm. Absolutely. Wild. It's just crazy, hey. And, you know, it's it's one of those things that everyone at some point in their life, there's a percentage that you will become a part of the community that we're talking about. Like as we age, things happen and you get sick and you join our humble crew of Spoonies. And then you don't, it's not until you live that life that you actually realize and understand. And that's what we're talking about is just taking a moment to understand that those that are around you and those that need your support, they need you to learn. Learn on the fly, ask questions, obviously appropriate questions don't be an absolute douche about it like be respectful but learn ask questions I would much rather someone ask me a question than snigger and laugh like I just remember like trauma 101 coming at you but like when I used to go shoe shopping people would look at my feet and like snigger to themselves and my sister would clock them (laughs) and like shout like um do you mind like, is there something funny? And just, I'm like, Fee, just leave it. It's fine. She's like, no, why should they be laughing? They have nothing to laugh about. You can, you have much right to be here as anyone. I was like, oh, man, if I could just have some of that sass she, in she my life. She does need to sprinkle it over us. She's yeah, fierce. She is a fierce warrior when it comes to that. I'd much rather have her on my side than against me. That's for sure. But, you know, it's all about learning and it's a safe space. And this podcast is a safe space. So if we've said something incorrect, please correct us. And that's what our fun fact follow-ups are for. It's for us to go away and like be pulled up on stuff and to learn. And, you know, we're not perfect at this thing called life. We're navigating it as best as we can. No one's given us a manual on how to do it. Um, We're just making it up as we go along. Yeah. Really? But that it, that's also quite refreshing for the people who are listening because we're learning with you guys. Mm. And this is stuff that we all need to continue to be educated on. Yep. And we, we all need to keep learning so that we can make life better for all of us. Absolutely. So, yeah. And no one's a know-it-all. You do you, not know everything. No, you do not. You do not. You do It's not. never too late to learn. Can always teach an old dog new tricks no matter what they say, dog. <laughs> Call me a dog. <laughs> I love my dog. As do I. So, you know, dog would be a bad thing either. Ableism is a large topic and it is going to be one that continues to grow. 
Yeah. And this is, again, only the start of a conversation. Absolutely. And you can always slide into our DMs if there's more about this topic that you want to talk about or would like us to talk about or would like us to share with you all. Let us know because that is what this platform is for. Exactly. And I think just use it as a journaling opportunity about how you really think about yourself, your chronic illness, your disability, your job, your life, your friends, how you feel, how it reacts, how you feel other people react to you. You know, use it as a journaling activity. Yes, I love that. It's an opportunity. I love that. I love that. All right, let's wrap it up then, sister. All right. Questions and quotes. I'm just going to go get the little quote book. Hang on. Okay. Well, while you do that, um, I'm going to give you a question and then I'm going to tell you the answer to the question that I've already done because it was a self-reflection question for me too. But my question is, what are you going to do in your day-to-day interactions to improve this whole notion of ableism in your life, your world, what are you going to do to try and improve it? Well, I'm actually going to do the journal thing that I just told everyone to do. So I'm going to do a journal article of like really internally talking to myself and writing down how I feel about myself and about my condition and about my place in the world. Because I'm working through the idea of that I take up too much space just existing And that stemmed from this whole post-surgery recovery period. And so I think that for me is a huge thing. And that's what I'm going to be doing. I love that. I look forward to hearing about that. I'm sure the people do too. Well, what I'm going to do, I'm just going to tell you anyway, even though you didn't ask me. Um, (laughs) What I'm going to do is I think just my language. So Mm. little things like being a Gemini, people always go, oh, you must be bipolar. Oh, you must be bipolar, split personality, man, man, man. So I'm going to try and correct that phrasing. And then there's another one that I could think of. Obviously, intensive care nurses, they are very, very organized. You have to be organized, structured, running tens of hundreds of machines at one time to keep Mm -hmm. somebody alive. But it's always like, oh, you're an an ICU nurse, you must have OCD. Yeah, sure. Everybody says that. Yeah. And it's a known thing. Oh, you're an ICU nurse. Oh, you've got some OCD. Oh, you're not a theatre nurse. You're definitely not an ED nurse Mm because you've got OCD. So just language, I think I'm going to be more wary of. And just when I use it, well, I'm going to try not to use it and Mm. then to correct people if they do use it. Nice. So we can use other words instead. That's good probably... Little, good little spark of getting people to think about what they're saying. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, I nice. like that. Mm, okay. All right. I don't have a quote that I've found, so I'm going to do the whole thing again when you tell me to stop through the book. Ready? Okay. I've got Set. a good quote. Okay. Go. Uh, stop. You've done this one before. Yeah. Okay. Go again. Ready? Out. Ready? Stop. Live today fully and you create a lifetime of meaningful memories. That's quite cute really, isn't it? Hmm. I've got a good one. All right, go on then. Sun's up today, just beautifully. Okay, there is only one way to look at things until somebody shows us how to look at things differently. Ooh, that is beautiful. Thank you. You always do very excellent quotes, Thank I must say. Thank you so say. much. Thank you. It's a very and good that is it. We're just trying to change the way we think about things. So, over the next week, think about how you feel about yourselves, pick up on people using incorrect language, and just be kind to one another. At the end of the day, that's all it's about, really, isn't it? Yep, just, just be, be kind. kind. So kind. All right, guys, we hope you have a wonderful week. Take care. Bye. Bye.